everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Whatever smart device you have that we may, that you have your Bible on that is, we may make a declaration if I receive this word, with my mind only, this word will be dead for me. But if I receive this word, the spirit over my mind, this word will be life for me. Lord, I don't see religious form or fashion. I need life. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to get some life in here today. Time to get some life in here today. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. I will, our scripture will be coming from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to stop there because there's so much injustice over here. I, I can't do justice, but the Holy Spirit can, and so I'm just grateful to Him. If you have your Bibles, turn there to Isaiah chapter 55, the Old Testament. Um, good to practice locating it in your Bible, even though it's on the screen. Good to locate it in your Bible because it helps you to become more and more familiar with, it, with your sword, the sword of God, the sword of the Spirit of God. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 7. And I'm sure most of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. I've always read this, and I've always been interested in it, and I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit will do justice through me on today, because only He can. If you have it, say, I have it. If you don't have it, say, wait up. Have it. All right. Ah, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of your because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he is glorified, he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Thank you, Father, for the reading of your word. God, we thank you now. So we enter your presence on this morning. We do so, Lord God, with, with anticipation, great anticipation of your explanation, Lord God, your expounding upon your holy word by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are given unto us as our comforter and our guide unto all truth. Speak the truth of our Father's word. Speak the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ's word. Have your way in this place on today. Have your way through me. I am nothing without you, Holy Spirit, and I can do nothing that would benefit the kingdom of God without you. So please, Use me today to speak a word of knowledge into the hearts of your people as well as into my heart. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray and give thanks. Amen. Isaiah is the Hebrew word, Yeshayahu, which is the shortened form of Yeshaya, meaning Yahweh is salvation. At the time of his prophetic call, Assyria was growing in power on the Tiglath-Pileser, who, who, who after ravaging the east, turned toward the west. He became a thorn in the sides of both Israel and Judah. In fact, right around 722 or 721 B.C., it was the Assyrians that destroyed the northern kingdom, that took over every, all ten tribes and took them out of them, just the president, of course, but took them out of their own land and dispersed them among other nations, a land that they had conquered and replaced them with others, uh, five of the nations of people within that land. So Assyria was nothing to laugh at. Assyria was serious. It was a major threat as it began to grow in military power. Now, it was during this time uh, that the military threat to Judah uh, that Isaiah warned Judah's king not to enter into an alliance with any of them. And so, when we look at 8th century Judah, and this is right around the time that Isaiah prophesied, between, seven, uh, between 740 and 680, so he prophesied for 40 years, uh, 740 B.C. to 680 B.C. So we started out in the 8th century and then ended up in the 7th century. And so when we look at this, we can see not only this 8th this and 7th century B.C., but we also see the 21st century. We see the 21st century uh, because there's not much difference in it. The very reason that God was speaking to the king of Israel and the king of Judah was because of their sin, because they had rejected God and they had began to worship idols and they had began to do all manner of vile things against one another. They were mistreating people. They were doing things. In fact, I will call it that they were morally and spiritually diseased. And, uh, and every day, like, just like today, they're murders. You've got people walking around in games and creating havoc in the neighborhood and doing things they have no business doing. You have mobs. You have rapes. 
And we read about that all the time. All kinds of vile and despicable things that were taking place back then. No threat, no no differences. There's been no difference. Just the people have changed. The time has changed. But when you stop and you look at it, everybody is doing the same old thing. We just use different words, but we're doing the same thing. Human trafficking, the murder of Christians by extremists, just to name just a few. People neglected God in exchange for the things of this world just like they do today, just like we do today. There's no difference. In fact, in Isaiah 1-4, Judah is referred to as a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They have gone away backwards. And that's the problem. All of the civil rights movement that took place in the 60s, all of that, and now we have, it seems like our children, our young folks, don't care anything about that. All they care about is what they want to do. And slowly but surely, we're going backwards. We're going backwards. We're not making any kind of forward progress because we're stuck in our own selves and what we all want to do. And so we forget about them and we don't even care about what they did. This is now, that's not then. This is now and we can do what we want to do. But what you're doing now is destroying what was done then. You should be taking what was done then and building on it. That's what we should be doing. Doesn't matter what the race is. Because this, because what Dr. King and that movement did way back in the 60s reverberated around the world. Gandhi is the one that began this began it. When he was when he was sat down and did a peaceful rebellion against the British the British uh, Empire's occupancy of their country. So there is no difference. Now the difference no look, Al Qaeda is running rampant right now. Um, ISIL is running rampant. They're taking countries, they're taking land, and they're setting up evil lands, evil countries, evil government. All of these things, no difference, none whatsoever. China is building over in the China Sea now. They're putting concrete on top of coral reefs now, and they're building landing strips, and they're building places where they can land airplanes now. They're doing all of that stuff, and now America is concerned. And so now America is sending ships out there because the land is the water that they're building on is supposedly international water. And though it's been a dispute for quite some time, it is still taking place. And China is over a billion people, so it's starting to flex its muscles. I was watching a picture on television where, where, the, where the Chinese prime minister was here and Putin was here. And I can see the prime minister of China is standing still. And Putin is the one that's walking towards him. Power. He thinks, China thinks they have the power. China's becoming the superpower of the world. That's what they think. That's why it's so important for America to stay connected with India, because India has just as many people in their, in their, in their land as China has or close to it, over a billion-plus people, and that is the largest democracy on earth. So we're, we're coming rapidly coming closer to our end time, to the end time. So we might as well just, you know, get to know the Bible more. Let all, let all with all of Israel, all of Judah, all of our sinfulness, God was and is willing to forgive and receive 
them and a back unto himself. In fact, I believe it was in Jeremiah 3 and 14. It says, return unto me, or backslider. Because what does God say? He's married to the backslider. God wants you to turn back to him and not go on your own. He loves you. And this fact, that's exactly what it says. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord. For I am married to you. I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, meaning Israel. He, Jerusalem, he wants you so badly. God wants a relationship with you so badly that he's willing to forgive you of all the wrongs that you've done. In fact, so much so that he wants you that he gave his only begotten son on the cross at Calvary that you and I might have a relationship with God. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wants you. That's what he, that's the extreme he went to to show you how much he loves you and me. God's willingness to forgive and receive uh, one, two, or back to himself cannot and will not be forced on anyone. That's the one thing I love about God. He will let he will give you the choice. That's what you call free will, freedom of choice. We have freedom of choice in America. We have freedom of speech in America. You can do what you want to do, but you know the good is right there. It's offered to you. What will you do with the good? Will you accept the good and walk according to the good, or will you want to dance according to the dictates of this world? And Satan is like a little, like a little puppet master. He's a newless marionette, and he just bouncing you around, and you think it is your own ideas when Satan is the one that's running rampantly through your mind, like running tiptoe through the tulips. He's running tiptoe through your brain. And you're thinking, you're calling, you're fooling yourself, saying, I'm doing this because this is me. I'm, I'm my own person. I do what I want to do. Really? Really? If anyone returns to God, he or she will have to do so out of a willing heart. That's how you have to do it. Nothing forced complies with if will. Nothing forced complies willingly. Nothing forced complies willingly. You either want to do it or you don't. And the only reason if you're forced to do it, you're doing it out of fear. Not out of a willing heart. So the Lord makes clear the conditions of his invitation to redemption. I want to talk this morning about an invitation to redemption. And so the Lord makes clear the conditions of his invitation to redemption. So what are these conditions, you might ask? Well, there are at least five conditions. Oh, yes, I love it. There are at least five conditions to the Lord's invitation to redemption shown in this scripture. Then there is the participants, that is the product, it is the price, it is the promise, and it is the plea. It is the participants, the product, it is the price, it is the promise, and it is the plea. The first one, the participants. Verse 1a, hold everyone who thirsts. All. This is a universal call by God. It transcends Judah. It transcends race. It transcends social, economic status. This call excludes no one. Anyone that has an ear can hear. Instead, it reaches out to people of all walks of life. All implies that God is no respecter of person. Romans 2.11 says, For there is no person of princes nor regarded the rich more 
than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. God, you are the work of God's hands. God doesn't reward one person over another. He's no respecter of person. You do wrong, he deals with it. You do right, he rewards you. There is no respect of a person. It's no different on your job. You do well, you get commended. You do bad, you get in your reprimand. It's no different when you're in a, as a child in your home. You do well, your parents commend you. You do wrong, your parents discipline you. No difference. God loves us so much that he would discipline us. If he did not love us, he would not. He would let us go do whatever we wanted to do. Let us go down the hill and fall on our faces flat and not care about us one, one iota. He would do nothing. So he says, listen, everyone, this is a universal call. That's the first one. Here's the second one. Thirst. That word thirst. Not everyone will respond to the Lord's call. Redemption. Not everyone will. Only those who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Those are the ones after chasing after one false god after another. These people who hear the call of God are those who have a strong desire one for the one true God. That's what that first thing, that strong, unquenchable desire. I've got to get that drink of water because I'm I'm so thirsty. I I, I want it so badly that I'm gonna I'm just gonna press my way because I want it that badly. That thirst, you want it, you want that thirst. Jesus says, if any man or woman thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow. Rivers of living water. I want to go to another scripture, John chapter 4. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing that to my remembrance. John chapter 4. Jesus talking to the woman at the well. You're familiar with it? When Jesus says, he asked for a drink of water, and she said, what? And the woman said to him, sir, Jesus asked for a drink of water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Uh, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his son and his livestock? Jesus answered her and said, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but, which, which, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him or her will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman heard that and she said, Lord, she said, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She misunderstood, but she understood the word water. She didn't want to thirst anymore. She wanted to be satisfied. And many people are running around chasing after all kinds of gods. During the time of the Romans, the Roman rule, they, they had all kinds of gods that they were worshiping. They were worshiping these gods. They were doing mystic stuff. They were doing magic, and they were working in magic. And they were doing all of these things, going from one thing to another, worshiping emperors, you know, making their own little bit of gods, gods for the agriculture, gods for the rain, gods against storms, gods against all manner of things, drops. They had all kinds of gods that they would make with their own hands and they would bow down and they would worship them. All kinds of gods. That's what they had. But they got to a point, my brothers and sisters, that they became tired of it. They began looking for the one true God. And only who, the only ones who knew him were the Christians and the Jews. 
Listen. When Philip went into Samaria, that's what I want to tell you about, to preach Jesus Christ, the response was crazy good. It was crazy good. The, the Samaritans took all their superstitions, and they began to believe, and they believed on Jesus. That, and in Acts 19 and 19, we're told that through Paul's name, through, the, through Paul, the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And as the name was magnified, here's what it said, and many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. They made their confessions. And then also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. They held nothing back. They burned it all. And then they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. You see, silver was their currency back then, not the paper stuff that we have today, but that's how they measured out their currency. And that came in 1988-85 when, when my Bible was written. That was approximately $6,400,000. That's a lot of stuff to be burning. That's a lot of money to be thrown away. But what does that tell you? That tells you that what they found was greater than what they had. And they were willing, they were willing to be giving up what they had in order to get what they needed. And they got what they wanted, but they needed and been longing for all their lives. They needed realness. They needed someone that was true, someone that was living and yet, and someone they could rely on and trust in. That's Jesus. That's Jesus Christ. Oh, they got tired of chasing after false gods. One where one for the weather, one for the crop, one for the rain. All of these things, they just got tired of it. Are you tired of chasing after this thing and that thing? Your mind running here, your mind going there? You need a stable mind. God says in Isaiah 26 and 3, Thou will keep you in perfect peace. You keep this mind stayed on me. God wants you to keep your mind stayed on him because in him you live and you move and you have your being. That's stable. I stabilize you. God stabilizes you. So you're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but you're trusting in the Lord. From the patient, from, from the participant, we come next to the product. Verse 1b, come to the water. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Listen, when I see this product, I'm thinking of redemption. Redemption is salvation. Salvation is is the free gift of God. It involves both spiritual redemption and physical deliverance. Because once you are saved spiritually, you're going to be delivered physically from those things that used to draw you and pull you and all those kind of things that they used to do. You don't have to worry about that anymore. You see, you're physically doing I ain't got to worry about, I ain't got to worry about, you know, this, this, I, so what? My, my grandmother used to tell me when, when um, in, in Chicago, we used to, we sit down and talk, and she used to tell me when it came to clothes, buy those things that are novel, those things that the more you clean them, the better they look, the class, the quality stuff. Don't buy the cheap stuff. Every time you turn around, there's a fad here and there's a fad there. And, 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 and so you want to be physically delivered from that kind of stuff. You want the best, and God is the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. There is none better than him. There is none gooder than him. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. He is truth. And God says thy word. Jesus says to Jesus, God, 
and sanctify them by thy truth. But thy word is truth. You want truth. Listen, you don't want you don't want physical stuff. You want to be delivered from the drugs. You want to be delivered from the alcohol. You want to be delivered from the partying and the cussing and the fighting and the smoking and the talking and all of these things. You want to be delivered physically from that. In order to be delivered physically from that, you've got to be delivered spiritually first. Because change is effected from the inside out. If, you, if you're not changed in here, I don't care how you do it, Jesus called them, you just whitewashed tombs. That's all you are. You're just cups that have been washed on the outside, but inside you're just full of dead man's bones. You ain't there yet. You're just covering it up. That's faking it. You're just faking it. You're putting on an air. God, Jesus said, if you really want to be changed, you've got to be changed spiritually. That's internally because that is a circumcision of the heart. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. That is circumcision of the heart. So you can't just, I'm going to change. How many times have you tried to change doing something? I remember, I remember, I remember saying, I remember telling my wife, I can quit smoking anytime I want to. Then all of a sudden I started buying one pack and another pack. All of a sudden I started buying cotton. That is. And I never bought cotton. I told myself I never buy cotton cigarettes. I started buying cotton cigarettes. And then I'm, I'm smoking, I'm chain smoking now. And, and I'm, I'm in Cuba, and I'm standing in the shower one day, butt naked standing there, and I'm showering, and I, and I cough, and I could not breathe again. I went to breathe, and I couldn't breathe, and I started to regurgitate, so everything in my body came out on the shower floor. And I couldn't yell, I couldn't breathe, I, I was too scared to move. All I could think about was I was going to be somebody going to walk in and see my dead body laying on that cold pool, that water running on me. And in my mind, I said, God, if you let me live, I promise you I'll quit smoking. Just like that, I began to breathe again. I began to breathe, and that was the best air I ever breathed in my life. I didn't smoke anymore. I went through quite a few toothpicks, but I didn't put another cigarette in my mouth. I'm here to tell you. When God wants to change you, he will make a way to change you. Something will happen to change you. There are a lot of people that had life-changing experience. Saul himself had a life-changing experience on the road to Damascus. So I'm just here to tell you, the men and women there, the men, the sorcerers, in Acts chapter 19, they had a reason to change. Something happened. They saw the truth for the first time in their life. They were not like Pilate. What is truth? But when you can't recognize truth, you know you're gone. Lord. Just as God asked the people of Isaiah's day, he is asking us today, how can we be interested in other things besides him, seeing as how he is the only one who can bring genuine satisfaction to our lives. He is the only one that can bring real, true satisfaction. Throughout all history, people have tried to find satisfaction through many things other than God. There is no God. Uh, you're just making things up. People, when you have money... When you, when you got it going on, you think that money is your God. No, you just got to work. We ain't getting this way. We, we got to pick ourselves up our own bootstrap. All of this stuff. Listen, you have been given the ability to do what you do because God has graced you with that ability. He's not, he's gifted you with it. He's not going to take it away from you. The question is, will you use it for him or will you use it for your own selfish needs? 
What about the man that goes through all of this and produces land, produces so much, he just said, I'm going to tear down all my barns and I'm going to build a new one and put all this in and I'm going to take some, take some time off and I'm going to say, soul, you know, be glad, be joyful, you know, eat, eat drink, and be merry. And Jesus says, God says, fool, this night your soul will be required of you and then who's going to have your stuff? So you're worried about building, you're worried about accumulation of stuff down here. He says, Take your, build your treasures up here. Store your treasures in heaven where, where raw rust and canker worms and moths and seeds can't get to it. So throughout all history, people have tried to find satisfaction through many things other than God. And they are no happier now than when they, were, than when they first started looking for many things. Whereas you have to buy the things you think will give you joy, peace, happiness, etc. God's spiritual gifts are given freely to all who would earnestly give themselves to him. He gives it to us freely. You don't miss anything that you really truly need. I supply all of your needs. Where do you Let me ask you a question. Think about your, literally, think about your needs. What are you lacking in when it comes to your needs? Is there anything you're lacking when it comes to your needs? No. Where does your hang-up come in at? Where does the pressure come in that you want, come on you at? It's when you want this thing and you see something over here and you see something over there. Not that you need it, you something you want. And you put all that pressure on you. And then now all of a sudden, all of the bills are starting to mount up. Your credit cards are getting full. The creditors are calling you. All of these different things. And you're going... How did I get myself into it? Your eyes, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You think that stuff is what makes you. No, your integrity, who you are on the inside, is what truly defines who you are. And if you're not with God, if you're not Christ is not in your life, then you are in the world, and the world is subject to Jesus. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're chasing after what you think of, or what you think is the real life, and all that is is saying that his demons perpetrating Jesus Christ perpetrating the light. They're not light; they're darkness. But they got on the they got on the Halloween mask of light. And they are no longer happy. You cannot purchase salvation like you purchase your other stuff. You can't purchase it like wine, and you can't purchase it like milk. Redemption is more precious than rubies. Its value transcends human means of payment. By our best work, we cannot earn redemption. By our best work, we can't see heaven. By our best work, Unless we are born of the water and born of the spirit, we cannot even enter into the kingdom of God. By our best efforts, we'll never see the kingdom of heaven. By our best efforts. From the participants and the product, we come to our next, uh, our next point, and that is the price. Condition, rather, the price. Verse 2, why do you spend money for what is not bread? and your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Listen, 
It's absolutely free. The price is free. In other words, there is no price. During Isaiah's day, as I was mentioning earlier, money was in the form of silver, with silver being the ordinary currency and money transactions in default of the coin by, were by weight. Put it this way in Genesis 23. Let me show you how they did currency back then. Even during the time of Isaiah's time, but even during the time of Moses, listen, Abraham's time, rather, Genesis 23, 16, and Abraham listened to Ephraim, and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephraim, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of, of, of Heth. 400 shekels of silver currency for the merchant. It was, we have paper money. We have little tin things, and they have little tin metal things as well, but they didn't have the paper. So they, can you imagine the amount of weight they must have been carrying, walking around, all that silver and all that gold, how heavy it must have been? And, and I, you know, so that's how they did business. That was real money. We, we're, here, we're told today that paper is not real money. You want real money? Go, go, go to gold. Go to silver. Go to platinum. Go to the precious metals. That's where the real money is. Go to the diamonds and what have you. That's where the real money is. That's the real money. So, so, why do you spend money for what you, what is not bread is what Jesus, what God is asking. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Let's, let's touch on this. What God is saying is that aside from a temporary satisfaction, bread has no lasting value whatsoever. You eat it, and then you, you take it, your body uh, filters out all the nutrients, and then, the rest of, and then your body pushes the rest of it out because it's where it, there's no need for it anymore. Why spend money on that's something that doesn't last forever. That doesn't make sense to me. But that's what we do. While we go this you know, we talk about, you know, we watch on television, you you know, Iron Chef, you know, or or uh what is it, uh what is the other cooking show, uh where they have the competition. Chop, you know, Chop Canada, Chop America, all of these different shows. And they and these people they live and breathe food. That's all they do. And they get so excited over it. So excited that nothing else seems to matter. There's no lasting value to it. It's here and then it's gone. Spiritually, it cannot sustain you. Therefore, it can do you no real lasting good. Now, don't get me wrong. You need to eat. That's what this body is. But what you're eating is dust. That's all you're eating. It just tastes good. It's some good tasting dust. You get that old big old juicy hamburger, that's just a big old pile of juicy dust. That's all that is. <laughs> you get all that green lettuce and those vegetables. All it is is just, you know, a different kind of dust, that's all. It's just dust. You know, have those nice, get those buns nice and toasted. You snap the tomatoes and the lettuce and all that stuff between there and that bread, and you get you bite down on it. It's good old dust. That's all it is. Everything is dust. Bless you. So many people have their sight on acquiring worldly things, on enriching their, themselves, adding a summer house 
with their primary residence or buying this plot of land with this acreage of land. They of Isaiah's day and those of our day don't care for spiritual blessings, much less hunger and thirst after them. That which which satisfies not is what the word says. Worldly things can never satisfy the heart. The heart will never be satisfied. Not even the heart of the world may be satisfied. Every time you turn around, they oh I, I'm so happy. I just I just bought this. Oh I'm so happy and all of them. And then just about six months or so down the road, if if, if it takes that long, you say oh. Oh, stuff. I need something new now. Don't that stuff anymore. Just the fickle. That stuff doesn't work. The world, even the world, gets tired of it. The people of Paul's day, the Apostle Paul asked the question: What fruit had ye been in those things whereof ye are not that you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. What what you used to live and breathe and talk about all that stuff and thrives and strives to do all of that stuff, and now all of a sudden, the pair of Nike, the pair of Nike gym shoes you had, and you're talking about they were so great, you had to have them. Somebody stepped on them, you went upside their head. You know, got a hole in the bottom of them now. They're, they're probably molding away in the closet somewhere. All of that stuff. Next, God admonishes us to listen carefully to me and eat what is good. When he says listen carefully to me, that means he wants you to come to him. I mean, he wants you to come to him, and he wants you to eat what is good. So to say this is to tell you that one of your biggest problems is that you won't listen. That's one of your biggest problems. You won't listen. Your mouth runs a mile a minute because you think you've got all the answers. You can't hear nobody. You won't listen to anybody. You won't even listen to God. If you are going to overcome the struggles in your life, you are going to have to listen to God. You're going to have to listen to experience. You're going to have to listen to someone that knows what they're talking about. Ever going to overcome certain things in your life. Listen, he says, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. In Psalm 36, 7, verse uh, 7, chapter 7, I'm sorry, Psalm 36, verse 7 through 9, 8, the psalmist is talking to God, and he is acknowledging how much better off he is with God. He's telling him, he says, listen, how precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wing. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of, of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. Lord have mercy. For with you is the fountain of life. With you is the fountain of life. Likewise, in Psalm 63 and 5, the psalmist says, My soul be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Listen, when, when, when your soul delights itself in abundance, that is you in God. And that's what these psalmists are saying. Listen, everything that I thought was great, no, that doesn't compare now that I'm with you, now that you're in my life. I can't think of what I was, I don't know what I was thinking, but my life is so much richer, 
so much better. I have so much more than I could ever hope to dream for by trying to do it on my own. You are so awesome, God. Both of these passages of Scripture is directed to you and I. The spiritual blessings of the kingdom of Christ are richer delicacies than anything that this world has to offer. What Christ has to offer us is eternal. What this world has to offer us is temporary. Temporary. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. So the soul that obtains them, that is the delight, and delight in them is a satisfied, is satisfied with them, says the psalmist. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your life. Oh, and isn't that something we all want to strive for? Don't we all want to be formed, conformed into the image of Jesus Christ? Don't we want that? Because when we are conformed into the image of Christ, we are conformed into the image of God. So we've looked at the participants. We've looked at the products. We've looked at the price. Now let's take a look at the promise, verses 3 through 5. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given you as given him as a witness. I have given him as a witness to the people. I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Verse five. Surely you shall call a nation. You you shall call a nation, and you do not know. And nations who do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. It is, this is such a powerful evangelistic message right now. This is such a, a powerful evangelistic message. How is your light shining? How is your light shining? Is your light shining in the faces of darkness? Are they looking at you and are they being drawn to you? How is your light shining? Is your light bright? Is your light dim? Do they know that you are a Christian? Do you tell them that you are, or can they see it? The promise. The enduring loyalty promised to David. Listen, the covenant given to David in 2 Samuel chapter 16, 7 and 6, chapter 7, verse 16 says this, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. It is now transferred to those who are in Jesus Christ. With we, because we're in Christ, we are now a part of the Davidic covenant, if you will. Uh, we are part of David's family. You don't believe me? Go to Matthew. I mean, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 tells us about Jesus Christ. It tells us that he is from who? Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. What does it say? Let me tell you what it says. The book, and he's talking about, here's Matthew now, he's talking. He comes, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. So Jesus Christ is, he is the God of David, but he is also the son of David. Crazy, yeah. Well, it can be done. Be God, anything possible with him. So this is an unlisten. What he is is doing here, what, what God is doing here is an unconditional, this is unconditional. Here's what he said. 
Here's what I say. This is an unconditional commitment on the part of God, a covenant of love. The enduring loyalty promised to David is a covenant of love, and, and it's unconditional. It can't be taken away. It will not be taken away. It's been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, at least partly, because God says there will never fail to be an heir of yours on the throne. Jesus Christ is the heir. His kingdom is everlasting. There's no end to his kingdom. David, no matter what he did, God did not take that away. God took his spirit away from Saul, but God did not take his spirit away from David. He didn't take it away from David's family. Solomon screwed up, yeah, and God disciplined him, but God did not take back that word. God held on to that. God kept that promise. God kept that promise. Just as God promised to keep his gracious hand on David, so he assures all who come to him that he will never remove his hand or his blessing. When when you're talking about his hand, he's talking about his blessing. He will never stop blessing you. He will never pull his blessings away from you. He will always have his blessings on you. His hand, it represents his blessing for for you and I. He will always be with them and consider them his people. We are considered his people in Christ. Listen, not only, not only when you talk about the promise, you think about the enduring loyalty promise to David, but he talks about a leader of a nation. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader, meaning who David, as a commander of the people, for the people, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, David's son, and I mentioned in Matthew 1, 1, it already says he is the son of David, Christ is the son of David, will be the world's leader and commander. As a witness, Jesus Christ came to bear witness to the truth. That's what John 18, 37 says, and before Pilate, he witnessed a good confession that what 1 Timothy 6, 13 says. Jesus said, fills the lead, feeds and leads his people, Revelation 7 and 17. And he is the commander under whose banner they serve, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4. What Christ is to the Christians, he is also to the people, to the nations generally. But they have been called into his kingdom if we just go. If we just go, we have to go. Here's the third thing under that, under that. The call of a nation that did not know Christ. Isn't that what he said? He says, look, he says here, surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and, the, and nations who do not know you shall run to you because, the Lord, because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. God has made you a light in this world. He has made us a light, the church, a light in this world. And if the church is going to shine bright, we've got to get connected more and more with Christ. We've got to spend time in his word. We've got to spend time in prayer. We have to spend time and time and time with the Lord. That's how we're going to grow. We have to call out to the Holy Spirit. Teach me. That's what he's here to do. He's your comforter. He's your guide to all truth. God is your teacher, your instructor, your leader. He wants to teach you. He wants to raise you up. He wants to make you more than you can be. But you've got to submit to him. You've got to call out to him. You've got to pray to him. You've got to 
can't do it without you. He won't overwhelm your, he won't overrule your will. You have to submit your will to him. Lord, I want you to have your way in me. Take me, use me. Whatever you want to do, just do it. Just do it. That's what I desire of you. Oh, glory. Oh, so, so, when Jesus returns, he will call into his kingdom a nation of people with whom he has had no covenant covenant up to this point of his, to the point of his return. But when he calls, they will respond immediately and with gladness they will obey his call. We are privileged. We are privileged. He's calling and we are taking our time. We, he is calling and saying, do this, do that, go here, go there, but we are just finding all kinds of obstacles and reasons why we can't do it. And he's calling nations and they're responding immediately and with such gladness they are responding. When, they are, when that occurs, the kingdom of God will then begin to enlarge and grow and the Israel's glory will be increased because of the Lord for he has glorified thee. God glorify us. The great cause of the attraction will be the glory which God the Father has bestowed upon his son Jesus Christ by raising Jesus from the dead and exalting him to a seat at his right hand in heaven. Acts chapter 2 verses 32 through 35. This Jesus God raised up of which we all are witnesses. Therefore being exalted in the right to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he him but he said himself, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemy your footstool. Listen, this is the day of Pentecost. We need another day of Pentecost. We need another revival. We need another awakening. We need another move of the Spirit of God in the hearts of the believers in this earth. That's what we need. Lord, have your spirit rule. Move in this earth. We need to move. The urgency is now. Revelation says, even now, come, Lord. And we're saying, no, God, not yet. We need more time. How much more time do we need? to make up our minds whether we're going to serve them or whether we're going to serve the world or whether we're going to serve our own personal needs. From the participants, the product, the price, and the promise, we come to our last point or, or, or um, condition, and that is the plea, verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the righteous, unrighteous man his thoughts let him run, return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now, isn't that what Jesus Christ did when he, when he died on the cross? He, he paid the atonement. He, he atoned for our sins. He made the payment for our sins. Isn't that what expiation is? Expiation is a wiping clean of the slate. Everything that you've ever done wrong once you accept Christ is gone. And God said, I will remember it no more. In other words, God will not hold you accountable for it anymore. He can't forget anything. Don't, don't, make, don't make any mistakes. But what he is saying is that he will not hold that against you because you have repented of that. 
you have accepted Christ and you have asked him into your heart, you will, he will not hold you to that stuff anymore. He's not going to throw it in your face like your wife or your husband might do. He won't throw it up in your face like your friends or your mom or your daddy might do or your brothers and sisters. No, no, no. He's not like that. When God says, I will remember them no more, what he is saying is, it's, you know what? It's gone. You don't have to worry about that no more. You don't have to worry about that. That's, that's a done deal. That's over and done with. This is where you started. Whatever day you gave your life to Christ, that's when your walk began. That's when everything began again. You are a brand new person on the inside. Your, your spiritual record is quite clean. Your name has been moved from the law, from the book, one of the books of death to the book of life. You are living large now. You may not realize it, but you are living large. So the plea is, seek ye the Lord. That's the plea. Seek ye the Lord. Israel is here being urged to seek the Lord without the delay or the opportunity will be passed. We, God will have to have his will. Well, listen, God will have to have withdrawn himself from them if they did not respond. If we don't respond, if people don't respond, the window of opportunity is only so large. Pretty soon it's going to shrink and shrink until that opportunity is gone. Uh, he will not always be chiding, neither keepeth he his anger forever. That's Psalm 1039. We're going to have to pay for it. If we don't heed, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to bleed. We're going to pay for it. Just as Israel was instructed to seek ye the Lord, I am strongly advising every one of us in the end of the day to seek the Lord with our whole heart. Only then will he be found. You will find me when you search for me with your whole heart, says Jeremiah chapter 11, right around verse 12. Let the wicked, here's the second thing. The other part of the plea is let the wicked forsake his way. In short, if your life does not bring glory to God through Christ, you need to give up that lifestyle. A general, a, a general promise of forgiveness of sin upon repentance and evidence visible in their life was the first was first given to Israel through King Solomon. You you've heard it, you're familiar with it, Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. That's what Solomon prayed for, and that was God's response. He, when someone turns from their wicked ways and seeks the Lord, that person receives mercy and that person receives pardon. Instead of being slam dunk for what you've done, God said, no, 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 I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to forgive you. And a pardon is a total, a total just wiping away or, or a total removal of anything wrong that was, that was against you. Anything God had against you was gone. And I don't know about you, but I don't know very many people. If a person gets convicted of a crime and goes to jail and serves his or her time and come out, that's still hanging over their head. They're not forgiven by society. Society is looking down on them. That's why we have such recidivism. People returning back to prison over and over again because, we, because they can't live a free and peaceable life because everything is being held against them. I mean, yeah, it's their fault that they did wrong, but if they paid for it, why do they have to continue to pay for it by society? 
Why can't they have a free, a clean slate and start over again? Because people, they're so perfect when it comes to their own needs, but they're so imperfect. They're so perfect when it comes to somebody else's life, but they're very imperfect when it comes to their own life. It's amazing. It's amazing. Oh. Israelites. So God's covenant people were saved only by believing in the Lord. And not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. There's a, that you accept him in your heart. You know, see, with your head embraces the truth, your mind will support. Your heart embraces the truth, your mind will support. Where is your truth? What does your heart harbor as truth? As it was then, so it is today in Jesus Christ. If we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be pardoned of whatever wrong we have done. God wants to clean our slate so clean that you can't even tell anything was ever on there. You have seen some people that look like they've been rolled hard and put up with for years. And then when they've given their life to Christ, how, how God, how their countenance and everything changes. Their, their outward appearance uh, is, is a glow. But that glow doesn't come from an outward source, but from an inner source. That is the Spirit of God working in them and working out and through them that it begins, that they begin, that you begin to see them differently. Is that so and so? Boy, that's a marked improvement. I don't believe it. Is that the same person? Oh, it's smoky. I didn't, you knocked me over with a feather. Ooh, my goodness, that person, boy, that's a whole night and day change. Salvation is free, my brothers and sisters. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done. Salvation is free. Jesus paid for it. Redemption is through acceptance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as I conclude. That acceptance must be wholeheartedly. One cannot sit on the fence and lean to this side or uh, to that that appeals to them on this side or to or to the other side uh, for whatever for any particular moment. You you can't be like that. You can't sit on the fence and say, okay, well I, this sounds good. I'll hang over here for a while, and then something else comes. Oh, I'm going to lean over this side now. See, with Christ, you either is or you you is ain't. You either is or you is ain't. You can't be both. You can't. You've got to be one or the other. You can't be both. So, one cannot sit on the fence and lean to the side that appeals to it at all at that particular moment. Jesus Christ came into the world with one purpose only, and that was to glorify the Father. How did he glorify the Father, you might ask me, and I'm glad you did ask. If you had turned in your Bible to John chapter 15, you may not have turned there right now, but when you get to time, go to John chapter 15, verse 8, because it tells us that God is glorified by our bearing much fruit. Jesus glorified and is glorifying the Father through the fruit we produce. If we're in Christ and Christ is in us, then we, whatever fruit we produce, God is glorified. If we produce little fruit, God is glorified a little bit. But if we produce much fruit, God is glorified much. As believers, we have access to the riches of heaven. 
these riches can't be stolen by a thief or rust or be eaten by moths. If you are here today and you are tired of vacillating back and forth on what to believe or, or chasing things that only let you down after a period of time, then you need to come to the altar this morning. Christ is ready to change your life for eternity. Whoever you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter what you've done. That's all I have to say. Jesus is softly calling. Because it's not because of who you are, but because of who he is, what he's done, and where he's been, that you and I are able to start all over again. He wants you to start all over again. He wants you to be great. He wants you to be. He wants you to be so satisfied uh, that he gave his life to give you that opportunity. If you're thirsty, come and drink. You don't need money. Why? Because salvation can't be purchased. It's free. You just have to come, whoever you are. So after hearing this word. There may be one here that is in need of prayer. The doors of the- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.